Well, again, welcome, everyone. So glad you're here. Uh, it's fantastic to see you all. As we uh, get ready to hear God's word, I want us to take uh, a minute and uh, allow ourselves in the midst of all we've come from, I think the, even coming out of the summer and that, that um, it's a, I know for me it's a pretty hectic thing. And so I just want to take a minute and just allow ourselves to slow down and to come into God's presence. And for centuries, long before there were watches and clocks, uh, bells called people to church to worship and to pray. And so we're just going to take just a few, uh, a minute, and allow ourselves to, in silent prayer, just again, quiet ourselves, breathe, and come into God's presence. So let's pray. These words are incredible because they tell us that, that our God is not some kind of idea, he's not some principle of theology, he's not some disembodied being or energy somewhere in the universe. Instead, he chose to enter time and space, to walk among people like you and me, um, that he is very concerned with the particulars, not just of like the, you know, the human population, but concerned about uh, you and me. And that idea that God cares for us and loves us, again, in particular, enough that this word, the word that spoke the universe into being, let there be light and there was light, that that God became incarnate. And so we're going to enter just another quick time of silent prayer and listen to uh, a chant that is, again, centuries old, uh, Ave Verbum Incantatum which means uh, hail, flesh incarnate. And as we do, I think just uh, would ask that we pray that God would, we acknowledge that God's presence is here, that he is incarnate, that he's here with us, and that um, we would ask him to move in our hearts and lives this morning, that we might hear that same word that spoke stars and galaxies into being, that we would hear that word, and as we do, that he would change us. Let's pray. Searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem in me behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, you guys. So this is Abby and Mia and James. Uh, they are juniors at prep, and they're here with some other prep kids that are all part of our Young Life program, and so thank you guys very much. I thought it'd be great to have them here um, to read. Uh, one, just because it means a lot to me, but secondly, because I know so many of you um, support and pray for the work of Young Life in Spokane, and it, it's all over. Um, our area goes from Ferris all the way to Nine Mile, and it touches hundreds and hundreds of lives uh, each week. And so um, I thought it'd be cool to have some faces that you could 
um, associate with what your prayers and, and what, um, again, so many of you uh, uh, support. So thank you. Um, this summer has been an incredible one for us uh, at PrEP. We took, uh, took 63 kids to Malibu, which is our camp up in Canada. Yeah, it was amazing. It's like, never had that happen in 35 years working in your life. I've never had that happen. Um, but as cool as that, um, last Tuesday on our porch, uh, can you kill the lights a little bit? Because it was incredible. We had, we had 35 kids on our back porch on, uh, on Thursday night and uh, to worship and to do a Bible study. We call it campaigners. And it's just been incredible. I really believe that God is he's doing an amazing thing at PrEP and at so many other schools uh, around this area. So I feel, again, really grateful to all of you um, to make that possible. So thanks. So this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 139. And when... Uh, those of us who, were gonna, who knew we were going to speak this summer, we received a list of psalms, and we could kind of pick one that we wanted to talk about this summer when our given day came. And for me, it was so easy, because Psalm 139 has just been like my psalm. I, I, um, I made a decision to follow Jesus when I was just about to be a freshman at Ferris High School, just a couple weeks out of, of starting my freshman year at Ferris. And, and it wasn't very long after that within the first couple of years, really kind of of my faith journey, that um, I know I was starting to make these little plaques for my friends. And so I would take, uh, you know, I'd write as best I could on a piece of paper, kind of this, you know, a little bit kind of like calligraphy, as best I could do, which wasn't very good. So I'd write out some of Psalm 139, and then I would, I would burn the edges. I mean, super crafty, Right. Um, in, this, in the 70s, though, that was, that was like high art. And uh, so, so burn the edges and then put on this piece of this wood block and, uh, and then put this stuff called Mod Podge on top of that. And yeah, they still sell it. And it looks just like it did in the 70s when I used it. Um, but it was amazing to me to think this summer that, you know, there are 150 psalms. So why of all of those, why was this the one that I kind of gave so much attention to? And as I've looked at, thought about, prayed about Psalm 139 this summer. It's just come through again and again like, yeah, through the, the words in this psalm, God really changed my life. And I believe absolutely, because what comes off again and again, verse after verse, is that there is a God, the God of the universe. And we read those, the, the you know, verses from Genesis and from John. This is the, the word, the, the, again, the word that created all that we know. That that same word cares about me in this staggeringly personal way. And I really believe that if the, I think the, the, the knowledge of that, if it can make this long journey from our head to our heart, that God will change us uh, in the midst. So we want to look at Psalm 139. Before we do, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for even the truths that we've talked about, um, the fact that you created all that we know and yet you care intimately about each one of us. And pray that, again, the truth of that would find a place in our heart that, God, this word, this powerful word would speak to each one of us. Pray that it would not be mine, my words, but yours. Um, we pray that you would, uh, would move in us, we, we ask right now. In Jesus' strong and tender name we pray. Amen. So in this psalm... 
It starts out, as Abby read, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. When I sit down, when I rise. I mean, it's like, this is at, this, God's care and concern for us is at this level that is, is really kind of impossible to really get our head around. That, um, that when I go out, when I come in, that he knows every word I say before I say it. Oh, we can kill that, please. Before I say it, knows every thought that I think. And that, again, that, that, that God would love me like that is, I mean, that's pretty, that's, that's amazing stuff. And yet I think, like even that first line, you've searched me and you know me. Or just those three words, you know me. Like, think about that. Like, God knows me. And again, not like God knows us, or he's aware of us, but God the Father knows me. Jesus knows me. And I think it's really easy for us, especially if you've been around, you know, church, you know, for a while, to think, well, yeah, I know that. And then we kind of group it with, well, Jesus loves me. Yep, I got that. Those are like givens for us. And yet, I really want this morning to think, no, 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 that is... It may be a given, and yet it is, again, this life-changing given. If God knows me, that changes everything. Because, and it's really easy to to, to see how, right? We just put a different name in that simple three-word sentence. So imagine if I said, Russell Wilson knows me. Now see, seriously, like you would think, oh my gosh, that's incredible. That Russell Wilson knows me. Or I said, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, Russ gave me a call last night after the game. He said, yeah, you know, the offense is going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Um, I mean, you better believe that today, you know, I would just happen to, during the greeting period, oh yeah, I happened to mention, oh yeah, Russ called me last night. Yeah, he said it's going to be all right. Because that would be a big deal. Like to be friends with Russell Wilson would be a big deal. He's a big deal, right? And yet... And yet, he's just a guy. Where you think, well, maybe, and maybe, and maybe Russell Wilson doesn't really do it for you, right? Maybe it's like, Taylor Swift knows me. All right? And let's say today after church, you get a text. Oh, no, let's say it was yesterday. That would be even better, right? You get a text from her saying, hey, I'm uh, doing a show in L.A. Um, Want to have you come down for the weekend and hang out with you. I'll send my plane up to pick you up. Okay, now that would be a big deal. And you would want, like, imagine if you got that text, wouldn't you be tempted to share that with people? Like, I would be. Like, holy mackerel, look what happened. Um, if, you're, if, I'm, if I'm on her private jet, I'm probably taking a selfie, going to put that on Instagram, so that people know, like, hey, I hang with Taylor Swift. Um, and yet, and, and, and I think, I think that, for me, I'll go back to Wilson, right? So that, uh, so that, uh, let's say, let's say I know of some people that maybe, um, maybe they don't have, let's say, a very high opinion of me. Maybe they don't like me, right? It'd be easy to say, well, they may have that opinion, but I'm Russell Wilson's friend, dadgummit. And, uh, and, it, and I'm okay if they don't really care about me. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, in the locker room after the first, you know, regular season game, hanging out with Russ and the guys. 
Like that would change how I would feel about how other people feel about me. Or if you went to the, you know, you're going to go to the Taylor Swift concert and let's say, again, the issue was, well, struggle with some issues of, you know, self-esteem and self-doubt and but you, I think it'd be logical to say, oh, yeah, I, feel, I have these insecurities, and yet I'm going to be hanging out with Taylor Swift uh, next week, and it's going to be all right because she's a big deal. And, and again, as, as, as great as these, these people may be great, uh, we don't know because we don't know them. Um, and again, if, if, what's crazy, if any one of us knew them, like everyone in church would know, oh, there's that guy, he knows Russell Wilson. He's a friend of Russell Wilson's. Oh, really? We want to go meet him during the greeting time, right? So at least I would. Um, but as great as these people might be, oh, my stars, they are nothing, zero, compared to the Lord of the universe. I mean, come on. The Lord of the universe, Russell Wilson may have no idea who I am, and I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift never will, but... But the Lord of the universe knows me, and he cares about me. Oh, my gosh. When I was, uh, we mentioned Malibu, so it's a Young Life camp in British Columbia. I was a sophomore, and on one day we had these seminars that we could go to, and there was one on self-image. And I, even at that point, I was aware, self-aware enough to know I did not have a very good self-image. And so I go to this deal. Friends, I could take you back to that room, it's still there, and I could show you where I was sitting. Because that day, the guy who spoke, his name was Doug, uh, he, he used Psalm 139 to say, basically, if God feels this way about you, then the rest of it really, at some really important level, doesn't matter. And that is the reality for each one of us. That God, the Lord of the universe, cares for you, loves you in this incredibly personal way. To know everything. To know everything about you. And it really should. Like knowing Russell Wilson or T. Swift, it should change our lives. This kind of, you know, tectonic, the plates should shift to go, oh my gosh. I don't have to worry about as much about what other people think about me because I know that no matter what their opinion is of me, that God's opinion, is, at the end of the day, is all that matters. And he, he loves me. He's crazy about me. I may struggle with, again, self-doubt or self-image. And I think it's really, to me, it's, I mean, I know I do. I, there's a, a phrase that I've really resonates to me. It says, if we talk to our friends the way we talk to ourselves, we wouldn't have any. And I, I know I, I, I can be really hard on myself. Um, I catch myself saying stuff I wouldn't say to anybody else. Because I, I think it's because we all have, I have this backstage view of my life. And if you've ever been like in any kind of a, a production, you know that when you're sitting in the audience, you're seeing the set. It could be a, a city, a house, or whatever. And from the audience, it looks great. It's painted and, you know, everything's just so. Backstage, you see, it's just, it's just plywood. There's no paint. There could be garbage on the floor. Audience can't see it. 
And I think we work, I work really hard to make the, what the audience sees, what everyone sees in my life, great. But it's this backstage view that is so hard sometimes to kind of come to grips with. That, that daily I'm struggling with pride and envy and lust and self-righteousness and arrogance and um, contempt. Oh, just ugly things. And yet, that's my backstage. And God, Psalm 139 tells us that God knows our backstage. He knows every thought, every word. He knows all my garbage, all my junk, he knows. And he loves me still. Hallelujah, can I get an amen? Unreal. That is, again, for me, that has really truly has changed my very life. The knowledge that he, God loves me and loves me perfectly. Like, as you sit here, God cannot love you any more today than he did yesterday or he will tomorrow. If we think we can do enough good things to make, us lo- make him love us more, we're wrong because we can't. We can't do enough bad things to make him love us less than he does right now. Because God, by definition, again, we said, he created, he said, let there be light, there was light. He created everything. That God is infinite. And so if he loves us, he loves us infinitely. If he cares about us, he cares about us infinitely. There can't be any kind of uh, degree to that. So we are loved, I am loved perfectly and powerfully and tenderly. Uh, further on, and I, I, I should have said earlier, but you know, we're only looking at these six verses in Psalm 139. All of Psalm 139 is incredible. We could, you, could, you could do a sermon series on Psalm 139. It would last a month or two. Because there's so many beautiful, I mean, there's one, one verse that says, uh, how precious to me, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God, were I to count them, they would outnumber the sands. Like God, again, he's thinking about me all the time. He's thinking about you all the time. He cares about you in a way that we will never be able to understand. In this incredibly perfect, powerful way. But I think it's hard sometimes to think, well, how does that actually look in my life? Like, it's great. Again, that's, I, I get that. That's good. But how does that look in my life? And I want to just look at three stories briefly of Jesus. You know, Paul said that Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. And so in Jesus, we should see these same qualities that we just read about in Psalm 139. Again, this incredible, personal, compassionate love. We should see that in his life. And wonderfully, we do. Like, when a blind man is brought to Jesus... Um, and I, I cannot wait to get to heaven to ask him about this one because it's so cool. Because again and again, like uh, 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 Bartimaeus, uh, the blind beggar outside Jericho, Luke 19. So 
He's brought to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? He says, I want to see. He said, go, your faith is healed. He heals him like on the spot. The centurion comes. He said, hey, my servant's sick. And, but if you just say the word, he'll be healed. And Jesus doesn't have to go anywhere. He just says, man, your faith is, I haven't seen such faith like this. And go your way, he's healed. But somehow with this blind guy, who he could have healed on the spot, instead, Jesus takes him by the hand. And I, oh, I so wish that Rembrandt would have painted this one because I, just, I have this picture of Jesus and this blind guy walking down this little street in this town, and Jesus has his hand. And I, I think about this. Like, again, here is the Lord of the universe, and he's holding on to the hand of this blind beggar. I'm sure he's dressed in rags. He's probably dirty, and yet Jesus holds his hand, and it's, hey, we're going to step down right here, and we're going to turn, we'll turn right right here. And ultimately, he takes him outside the, the village, and he heals him there. So Jesus' love, it's, I think it's really important. His love is not just personal, and it is. It's not just tender, and it is, but it's also powerful. Powerful enough to heal him and give him sight. And I think that's so important for me because it, it lets me know, yeah, he cares about me like that, but he also has the power to change my life, to heal me, to make me whole, just like he did with that blind guy that day. And it may be for you that maybe that is what would kind of be your work with God, is to allow him to take your hand. And maybe lead you in a way that he hasn't before, in a, in a personal way that he hasn't before. We're going to step down right here. We're going to keep going straight now for a while. I don't know what that might look like. But I believe, I, I'm absolutely confident that's his heart for you and me. Or he comes uh, to a town, and, uh, and you may well have heard the story, but Jairus, the synagogue leader, comes to him. And he said, and he, uh, Mark says he got down on his knees and begged him, my daughter is dying. Come and heal her. And Jesus is like, yeah, let's go. But they're in this huge crowd. In the crowd, there's a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And she says, if I can just touch his, his cloak, I'll be healed. And she does. Jesus knows it. And he stops. And in the midst of this crowd, with Jairus again, probably one of the most important guys in town. And I, gosh, I read the story. Man. <laughs> Jairus has me because as a father of four kids man if my child is dying I'm like I'm losing it I as you can see just the thought of that I'm like oh if I'm Jairus and Jesus has stopped to talk to this woman I'm like are you serious didn't you hear that my daughter is dying we have got to go (laughs) chop chop let's go and instead, <laughs> Jesus stays, and it said, he said he listened to her whole story. Again, this incredibly, I, I just, again, I'd love to see a painting of that. Like, Jesus stopping in the midst of this huge crowd, listening to this poor woman's whole story. Twelve years of kind of agony and doctors and all this. Because, and, and he's God. He already knows her story. He didn't have to listen to it. But I'm sure he knew that she needed, that's what she needed right there. She needed to tell her whole story. 
And maybe for you, maybe that's something that, would, that you need to do with God as well. You may think, well, he knows it, but maybe in prayer or journal, I don't know, or to someone that God might use in your life to tell that story and to allow God to heal as he did that woman that day. So as, as he's talking to her, guys from Jairus' house come, and they say, hey, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's died. And again, if I'm Jairus, well, I'm, I've really lost it now. <laughs> like, are you serious? Oh, I'd, I'd be undone. But Jesus is cool. He just goes, hey, let's go. So Jesus goes to the house. He goes into her bedroom. And, man, talk about this personal, tender, powerful love. Here it is. This girl hit 12 years old. She's just died. And we're told that Jesus takes her by the hand and says to her, Talitha kum, which is Aramaic, and it was used by parents, I guess, all the time. It means, little one, it's time to get up. Again, as a parent, I'm like, oh, just, yeah, that's where my heart would be. Talitha kum. And at that, he brings her back from the dead. So talk about a love that is tender and personal and powerful. Wow, there it is. And this incredible story of this little girl who's just died that Jesus brings back to life. But could it be that for us, maybe there's some of us that, have, that feel as though, you know, we, maybe there's a part of us that's dead or dying, and we need to hear Jesus say to us, to take our hand and say to us, little one, it's time to get up. And to give us life in a way maybe that we have never known it, never experienced it. That to me is the most incredible good news, incredibly good news that we could ever hear. That this, again, the, the Lord of the universe, the one who created all that we know, loves me personally, perfectly, and powerfully. And again, my prayer is, is that however God would do that in each one of our lives, that it would begin to, again, make that journey into our hearts. Because there, again, I believe absolutely God will change us and transform us. Just like he did that blind man that day, or the woman who had been bleeding, or the little girl. They came face to face with him and his love. His care for them and their lives were transformed, turned right side up. And that's my prayer for us today. Let's pray.